0: <laughs> no, it's not an evening it's a rainy rainy morning and um this feels like it was ages ago now the forest school association national conference yeah. but it wasn't that long ago was it two weeks
1: long enough that we've definitely procrastinated about getting all this recording done
0: but fair dues to us because it has it's a big thing we record how much footage did i think we ended end? up
1: with about 15 or between 15 and 16 hours of recording Of just, you know, total audio, and we've pared it down to slightly over an hour and a half.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh,
1: So So
0: it's big jobs. And, you know, that's not our main job, is it? Editing things.
1: You imagine the waffle. If you listen to this and the waffle we've left in, you think about the waffle we've left out, right?
0: Mm. And be thankful. And be (laughs)
1: thankful.
0: It could be worse. Um, May I say as well, listeners, about the uh, audio quality of some of the bits, because... I mean, it's raining today, but oh my days, did it rain at the conference. It rained and it rained and it rained. And a lot of the workshops and keynote speakers that we've recorded are, in fact, everything is either outdoors in the wind or indoors under canvas. I don't think there's anything that's in an actual building. So Lewis, you've done the best you can, haven't you, with kind of levels and trying to sort it out and make it as good as possible. But if you're thinking this is a bit rubs compared to the normal excellent professional standard then that's why it's like rain drumming on a roof and people kind of sneezing and things like that um so apologies for that but i'm gonna run through what this podcast contains to make it a bit more manageable so it's going to start with us kind of talking about uh people arriving at the conference it's having a little bit of a chat and then um the first keynote speaker Jo mcandrews uh, there's a bit of her speech and that starts at roughly nine minutes 30 um then we speak for a while with forest school practitioner and storyteller and musician and around legend chris holland and that's about 15 minutes 30 um then there's a little bit from another one of the keynote speakers tony juniper and that starts at about 38 minutes Uh, then there's some waffle from us over lunch then um we have a bit from the organization confusingly called the children's forest
1: no affiliation
0: no affiliation just coincidence um and that bit starts at 53 minutes and then we have some interviews with sarah lawful tanya wetton and lauren mills and that is roughly one hour eight minutes in and then it finishes off with what you described as us losing our minds at Mm. the end
1: which is in the dark you wait you wait till you get to that bit listeners enjoy
0: you know, Absolutely that will give you enjoy, some, some um, inspiration to, like, make it through the whole thing and to listen to us eating pizza in the dark whilst there is a Kaylee in the background. Um, and that is about one hour, 37 minutes in. But
1: um, we're going to start now with the uh, us sat in the keynote uh, tent as people walk in, having a little chat and uh, chatting to some people as they come through. So yeah. We'll see you then.
0: Please enjoy.
1: Right.
3: Bye.
0: I did have a deeper meaningful about several types of therapy that I didn't know about. Like, that's what I like. That's what I wanted to get from this weekend is, like, chat to people and go, I've never heard of that, and now I'm going to read a heck of a lot of books about it.
1: It's almost as if you want people to have, like, the shorthand would be, they have a little badge, and it says, like, what their specialist or their special interest is, so that you you can, like, go, cool, we all get horror school. Great. But you do therapy, do you? Yeah. Right. Let me talk to you about that thing. Or, like, oh, okay, you do, like, crazy, crazy zip lines. Yeah. Let me talk so to like you about...
0: Info jump on me now, please. Yes. <laughs>
1: I would like to absorb your knowledge. Yes. And then you may go.
0: And your passion. <laughs> yeah, cut all the small talk about how are you and where do you but live. But then,
1: uh, do you know what? I wonder if it's a reflex because so many of us, every other conversation we have is about explaining our jobs and about going like, you know, Oh, no, no, it's it's not like scouts. No, I am outside. I'm doing this thing. <laughs> the conference is, is filling up.
0: As you can hear. It's so funny because it felt like there were only about 20 people here for quite a long time. And that also freaked me out last night. I suddenly like looked up and I was like, "Huh, ah, there are not 20 people here anymore. Yeah. There a lot of people. I think a lot of people came really late after work. Like People were... I was talking to you yesterday, like, oh, yeah, today I had a kid do... And I was like, what do you mean today? Like, you've been here today. No, people well, have done a full day at work and then set off
1: But we came early to journey. set up, didn't we? We, we, did. we also would have run a session this right? morning. That's true. Um, I think, yeah, I think there will be a bulk of people arriving today, which I think is good, because I've also heard some people saying that they're going today. Yeah. And I think it's quite nice that the way it's structured isn't, like... Uh, everyone needs to be here at the start, everyone yeah. needs to be here at the end. It's like, oh, right, you do whatever oh, you can. Yeah. Just
0: drop in for a bit, that's fine.
1: Um, yeah.
0: Who Who is talking now?
1: Who is talking? It's on is
0: it Tony Juniper? The-
1: uh, I'm not entirely sure. I know we're getting a welcome address from Sarah. And then... Uh, yeah, I'm not sure what the next bit is. think John might be up at some point
0: have you got any um, I mean I'm asking the wrong person because you are wearing a bright pink and hoodie and a bright red hat and you are the fashion statement of the yes. of the conference and I'm very glad because I can easily spot you so I'm <laughs> like ah. I've got no friend. There's my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I can see you. That's easy. But um, have you noticed any nice fashion things that you've been like, oh, I might, I might nick that, that little.
4: Nice fashion. I mean, things. there's
0: a lady walking past us with a knitted Viking hat and beard. That's, good That's incredible. Yeah.
1: Somebody had a big green felted top hat.
0: Yes. I don't I saw know if that. you've seen that yeah. one. Amazing. That quite impressive. Feathers on it. Yeah.
1: Rachel's here and she's wearing. Oh, I thought they had flowers on. Yeah. They're just. They're flat. Uh, they're flowery dungarees. They're
5: can you tell they're made out of 1970s curtains? Aww. Are they
1: your 1970s curtains? They're not. That
5: would be even
0: better. Aww. Your child's nostalgic curtains made into clothing would be so good. Yeah.
1: We were just... At, uh, Gemma was just saying, I'm easy to spot, which is... Inter-
5: it easier to spot if you were wearing those as well. That was I my point. Well. I'll
1: lend them to tomorrow. Right OK, cool. <laughs> it's, a, it's a sea of green and brown.
0: It is. It's a sea of... But no, yeah, quite a few, like, handmade felt hats.
1: They are, it's a good hat parade. It is. You could do a lot of, like... I think individually, they all might look quirky. Yeah. But when you get... It's that thing of everyone together, we're all just wearing...
0: Yeah.
6: Bobbly hats.
0: Oh, well, there's some good trousers coming up. They also look like they're made out of... Of curtains, but like a different pair for each leg. I'm loving oh, yeah. those, they are very funky. Strong trousers
1: I'm interested to see. Well, I think we're going to get a second round though when uh, the rain hits. Oh, the yeah. rain is going to hit later, and then we'll get to see everybody's rain wear, yeah. which is like set part two of the fashion show. Mm. So what have you got on today?
0: I am doing John Cree and Marina Rob's workshop about, um, I'm probably hashing this up, but in a nutshell, I take the description to be, how do you follow nature and your group? Which I thought, yes, I want to know that. I want to talk about that. So, you know, being child-led, group-led, following your group's interest, but still following the seasons and you know, following nature. Um, And and then this afternoon I'm doing tree songs from the Children's Forest book. Yeah, how about you?
1: Uh, so this morning I'm doing... Oh, I'm going to butcher the word. I was going to call it sociocratic. Yeah,
0: that's Is that right. the word? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sociocratic. With Mel
1: Harrison. With Mel, um, which I'm very interested in because we've... In that dem- yep. democratic yep. thing, and
0: after our chat with Artemis Bear yeah, from the Garden. and
1: actually one of the children did ask us the other day. We did, th- we did that typical thing. We try it once, and we voted, and we spent some money, mm. and then one of the children the other day was like, "Why, why haven't we done that again?" Mm. Well, like, oh yeah, okay, maybe we should. We didn't sort of do it enough times to iron out the kinks. Yeah. So I'm wondering. I'm hoping to kind of gain some more ideas and stuff there and then this afternoon I'm with Lily Horseman and it's oh I can't remember the full title but it's like recognising needs at Forest School which I mean it's to me it's just another one of those behaviour is communication but I've been thinking recently that like I much prefer it as uh, a need doesn't sound optional whereas lots of behaviour support things or, um, you know, stuff like that, they kind of give you the impression that it might be an optional thing, like, they're not very happy being in a group, but if you reframe it as a need, as, like, they need some independence, yeah, yeah. it's then not optional, and you go, oh, okay, I can meet this, or they will yeah. be dysregulated, or they will, yeah. you know, have that unmet. Uh, and then I'm quite looking forward to, because there's quiz tonight, isn't
0: there? A barn dance.
1: A barn dance.
0: A barn dance. Yeah. Okay. I haven't been to a barn dance for many a year. I don't see, do know one.
1: I once went to. I I don't think they listened to this, but I went to uh, when I was teaching. One of the teachers was having their like fiftieth or sixtieth, and they were having a barn dance and. Uh, I was like, oh, I'm not really into that. I'll go, and I'll try and blend into the background. Mm. And it was a big village hall, and there were about six of us. Oh,
0: no. And they'd
1: hired, like, a professional barn dance leader. You know, someone that stands at the front. Caller, that's what they're... Yeah. Um, So there was no escaping it, and they were, like, you know, doing that thing of going, like, you, you there at the back with the red, can you come start? You, come on, we need another one. It was... uh, not the most free choice thing uh, and not the most socially comfortable thing I've ever did done. did you
0: have a great time? By the end, were the endorphins flowing and were you smiling all over your big face?
1: No, because I think... Because uh, with- OK, so this was the first of the keynote speeches on the Saturday morning.
0: It was, and it was Joe McAndrews um, speaking about eco-anxiety and the role of forest school practitioners in sort of helping children with that as well as lots of information on climate change um she was really inspiring and i've just seen that she's running some workshops the first one is on the 1st of november in the evening and if you're interested in it so it's it's, they're called children and eco-anxiety these workshops and uh you can find out more information at joe it's mcandrews mc andrews um yeah and uh, she spoke it, it was really um for me the thing that really hit home about her speech was that she said that she spent a long time looking at the fsa website and she couldn't find any mention of climate change mm. on the website and so she was kind of talking about um mm. Our role as an association, as a group of people, and it was a bit of a call to arms, wasn't it, in terms of getting more involved and getting more political,
7: really?
1: Yeah, it was definitely. And the kind of this, the bit clip that we've got is right at the end of her speech, and was very much a call to arms and a you know, get up out your chairs and let's go do something kind of vibe. So yeah, let's give it a listen.
5: We can get together and reinvent this. We can bring our values and our knowledge, and this is our time. Time we are needed, okay. So, how can we step up? Children's Forest are going to talk to you next, and they've got so many answers. They're doing it, you're all doing it, we're, we're all doing it. But how do we spread that even further? And how do we support each other in that? Because this is this can be so bleak and so scary, it's hard to face. So, how can we all be part of the story of change in all aspects of your work? I just want to say four quick areas. And I'm going to talk more about stuff. Um, uh, please come to talk to me on here all the weekend and I'm doing some workshops and you know, this is called, this is just the beginning of the conversation. But in vision and strategy, in your in your values, and your vision, I would love you to be asking, okay, if we think about the climate ecological emergency, how is what we're doing address that? How are we contributing to climate resilience? And my suggestion, I'll get to actually uh, yeah, I'll come back to that. Curriculum. What are we teaching? Is there something we can add? Is there something, can we name clearly to the people around us? These are the skills, they're already sharing. These are the skills that children are going to need in the future. (laughs) Relational education, this is the bit that um, I'm most passionate about and and it's most of the blind spot in our society. Schools are dangerous places, my view because mainly they use uh, punishment and reward to make children do what they want they are pressurised by the government to make it very difficult everybody there is under stress, this isn't a criticism of teachers, it's a criticism of the system it's totally focused on targets, it's not child-centered and it's not equipping it's breaking spirits, it's not equipping children for the future um, and what we know I, I'm, I'm a bit of a nerd about neuroscience and, and the whole the neuroscience i've ever studied comes down to something very simple is that we need warm kind relationships with each other that's the heart of all of it and when we get that when we're very young when we're part of warm unstressed families surrounded by warm calm loving communities then we've got everything we need and we're not living in a culture where Many children have that. So how can we contribute? So warm, friendly relationships build children's resilience for the future. So being able to um, use wood and know about water and identify trees and herbs that are, uh, are medicinal is all vital. But the power of relationship to equip a child throughout their whole life to have resilience is miraculous and amazing and we need to be shouting out about that a bit more. Uh, punishing threats, shame, humiliation, control, that will destroy resilience. Enough. We need that out of here. And action. We know that um, taking part in action, doing something in the face of climate change protects mental health um, if, if we're supported in community and relationships. So how do you, how does the FSA, how does your organisation explicitly address, this is what we're doing towards climate change. What's the one thing that is within your reach to affect system change? Because it's no longer about individual lifestyle change. Switching the lights off is great, but it's just not enough. Knowing how to um, build bug hotels is fantastic. And recycling our plastic is brilliant, and using less of it, yes. But actually, what we need is to all be involved somehow in system change. Well, you're right in there you've got a foot in the system, but you've got each other that's that radical place outside the system. (laughs) Come and help step into it. Talk about that. Talk about climate resilience and put relationship at the heart of it, because you're so good at it. I can see it so often, because we're stronger together. And just a reminder that we can't do this alone. We can't do any of it alone. We so need each other been so lonely at the last while, all overworked, overstretched,
6: and now we're getting back together,
8: and um, let's rise up. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> morning, the singing, and my heart.
9: Chris Holand. Yes, Chris whole Land. Whole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people get the pun on the name. Some people do, anyway. It took me a minute. Yeah, I thought I'd misspelt it yeah. for a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I'm not re- never really sure whether it works. Like whole body learning about the land. It's such a mou- yes. mouthful, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it yeah holistic learning about the land. No. Yeah, kind of. Ah, that's what Definitely it's about. It works. It's and nice you're... to see you. It's
1: nice to see you. We've been on your. Story. We we did the storytelling course with you. Yeah. And that feels like a long time ago now. That was two or three years ago, wasn't it?
9: Yeah.
1: And you. And you also do musicianship ones. Yes, natural musicians ones. Yeah. And so, and what are you doing? Storytelling workshops here.
9: Yeah, storytelling, natural musicians, and uh, a forage sort of walk and talk about plants and purposeful plants is what I called it. Yeah, because you know there's just so much to learn about plants, and I kind of forget. Yeah, you know, how many people are just like not over, in a way not of, aware of the simple um, qualities of different plants and materials, and you know that's such a toolkit for forest school leaders, isn't it? It's like knowing your resources well. Yeah. Um, and I guess you know people. I don't want to sound like big-headed, but it's just when you get old and grey, you've kind of done a few things, haven't you? So it's good to sort of pass them on. You were just—you were. This is going to sound really dry. You were reading a report to
1: me in the car (laughs) on the way here, and it it was. I'm Uh, I'm going to butcher the thing because we haven't got it. But it was like there are nine hundred species which have some edible.
0: Oh, more than that. It was like eight hundred thousand.
1: You know, which something. have, of plants, and, which have some edible plants.
0: And most of the world's plant diet is made up of
1: 20, like 20 different species. plants. Amazing.
0: Insane. <laughs> just insane. So it's yeah. sort of talking about how, you know, if we're going to carry on feeding ourselves, we're going to have to use more, like, like a much wider variety of edible plants. Mm-hmm. And it might be that, you know, there's edible plants where there's just one bit of it that's edible, but nobody eats it, and, yeah. you know, and that's how you're going to save humankind and the
1: We've gone from like absolute laziness of like, what's that potato? Can you eat it all? Yeah,
9: (laughs) yeah. Just grains, you know. Stick it in
0: monoculture grain. Anyway.
9: Yeah, we've got to adapt, haven't we? And be more biodiverse in our choices of food. Well,
1: we have just. I mean, it's was it October twenty twenty one, and yesterday the government signed a bill on um, genetically engineered food can now be sold in UK Mm -hmm. supermarkets, Mm -hmm. which is different to genetic. I was looking up. So it's different to genetically modified. Yeah. so what's the difference? So it either means some they're engineering to make them need less water or to grow bigger take less, or put nutrients back into the soil. Mm. Uh, but there are also strands that are being engineered to be what's called roundup ready. So they what? absorb pesticides more easily or so that they they like te- the chemical shit we're already doing they like respond better to that huh. so there's two ways of looking at this yeah, apparently hopefully. could yeah. be
9: great could be it's like the internet isn't it light and the dark side i think of genetic modification there or engineering mm. yeah because i think we can't exist without uh, adapting the plants that we've got already and you know, humans have been doing that for thousands of years anyway but i guess it's how we do that and morally what's right and wrong there's some <laughs> there know. is a feeling there that you get and I'm sure it's yeah. uh, one of those like ancestral
1: feelings when you walk past a hedgerow and have yeah. a little nibble yeah um, um, my son calls them like snacks on the go yeah so if he sees that and he's yeah and like a lots of children are in awe of that you can eat this Yeah. And it grows on the and you can just oh my god It's amazing.
9: Yeah. And And I love the names that children give them to, too, as well, different plants. Can you, have you got any? What oh, I'll tell you uh, what, I
1: did, um, so I was walking with someone, sorry, I've just seen there's loads of galls on the bottom of this oak that we're sat under. Uh, We're sat under an oak and all of the leaves are covered in galls. What are they? Silk button
0: galls. Silk button ones. The one that looks like Cheerios. Yeah.
9: Hundreds of them, aren't
1: they? Yeah. My, my son is obsessed with... So he's learned that um, earthball mushrooms uh-huh. um, are not poisonous and that he can pick them up and... They th- are poisonous. But you can't eat them. You can you can make them into a very mild tea. No, I not earthballs, so. no. OK, no. we might have to debate this. I've never done it. No. <laughs> anyway, he likes kicking them up and picking them and someone else saw them and they said, why has he got that? I said, he's got an earthball. Um, and then you, we came up and you said to the group what have you been doing and one of the boys went we found world mushrooms it's <laughs> better than earthball yeah. let's go for that's world pretty, mushrooms that's pretty cool mushrooms. what about you yeah.
9: yeah yeah. well my kids always used to call um, pennywort uh, munchies so that was, <laughs> <laughs> that was their one and then this weekend I was doing a kids party and the girl whose party it was for she likes Himalayan balsam seeds and she calls those Poppingtons. <laughs> so cute. I love it. <laughs> isn't
1: Himalayan <laughs> Bolton the one that we're not supposed ap- to pop? Well, yeah. yeah. Isn't that it's, you like...
0: Know, it's gone past that stage, though, oh, hasn't oh, okay, it? Yeah, one that's... kid pops it, it's not going to make any yeah.
1: difference. Oh, OK. But, I
0: hate but, the smell of the Himalaya. Do oh, you? yeah, I oh, can oh, smell it I quite like it. I imagine it. What does it smell like? Mm. It's has
9: been cloying and yes. sickly, yeah. But how to describe smells, that's
1: quite a different one. That's one of the things, isn't it, about all... about. Foraging books and resources and things is like
6: Mm.
1: going to do a foraging course face to face. You can engage all of your senses, but and also all the other ones like your your memories and your. Mm. When you try and read it, it's a bit like trying to read bird calls, and you read it and it goes kaka kachu paloo. (laughs) I don't know. I have no idea what that sounds like. Yeah. Similarly, it's like they describe it. It's like it's a leafy green with slightly pointy, rounded edges.
0: Oh, the best one. one is if you're reading a book about mushrooms and it describes the smell and there's a there's a technical term for it smells of sperm
9: there is and I've forgotten what the word is it's like
0: a it's like it's a technical smells th- spermy but in a more scientific way and you're like oh yeah god it really does
9: sperm of what <laughs> sperm of some young guy yeah. um but some I'm very suggestible
0: about some those some things guy. so you like smell mm. a chanterelle and mm. uh, does it smell of apricots oh yeah it definitely does mm. definitely I can definitely smell the apricots there mm. actually can you or is it just that you've read that it should and that mm. it does yeah
9: mm. it's like pineapple weed yes. when you, you know, what does that smell of? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> pineapple, <laughs> but, but yeah, <laughs> at least you get that one easily. Yeah, yeah.
0: So, you are doing like foraging for not just edibles but for use other, you know,
9: yeah, uses. yeah, just sort of gen- y- the use of plants, really? Yeah, yeah. And I'll try and share what I know. Hopefully, it'll be more than the people that, or at least some, uh, I have some useful things to share. Yeah. yeah, which would be good. I tried to yeah. advert- I tried to sort of suggest that to some
1: trainee team that were quite scared of... Cos, you know, that fear of foraging that lots mm. of people have? Yeah. And I tried to say, well, the, the first toe in the water might not be eating it. It might be painting with it or... Sm- oh, excuse me. You know, smushing it up into something or mm. wearing it inside, so, you know. That's the first step. Cos eating can seem like quite a big, like... I mean, just big step. Putting yeah, it in my body. In your mouth, Yeah.
9: yeah. Yeah, but that's what people, I, that's what, where we have to start, is in the in the playgrounds and things, as so many teachers are, but, oh, it's a plant, don't touch it. Mm. <laughs> oh, yeah. no. Yeah, it's so useful to know. Like, we're just sitting here, like, there's, there's um, this looks like it's probably self-heal or something like that in mm. the lawn, and just, you know, kids can, if they knew, they could... Well, it's like a friend, so like you can look around and see all these different friends in the grass if they know what they're useful for. And, and we're well, not even just about their uses, is it? It's, that's for such a sort of human way of looking at it. It's like, well, how is it useful to me? But no, how is it useful to nature and what life does it support? And it's that kind of stuff that you know, I'm s- still learning now. I'd love to know more and more and more, but oh, developing get the curiosity. You foraging, do you? No. You just keep going, you keep going, you keep going. Mm-hmm. There's been lots of caterpillars out recently, and we've seen that, or oh, seen yeah. them. But I just don't know all the names. I wish yeah. I did. Yeah. We had one in our
1: garden that was, uh, you know, one of these. I'm holding it up; people won't be able to see. Like, you know, like a what's that? <laughs> I was going to say three what's inches. What's Three inches? Yeah. Yeah? yeah. We'll agree that that's three yeah. inches, so Chris. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's three inches, <laughs> <laughs> and it must have been as thick as my finger. Was it furry
0: finger,
1: or, not? or not? Don't remember. Um, Probably. But not. I think it was a hawk. Yeah, moth Yeah, elephant moth,
0: hawk moth. I was going to
1: say. Because um, oh, we had yeah. a we had the elephant hawk moth. Moth yeah. in our garden uh, the year before,
8: yeah.
1: and that thing is like yeah. you know yeah, it's it's exactly the size of big. a dinner plate. It's ridiculous, yeah. it's not, it's not, but it's big. And particularly yeah. for my children, they were really for a while afterwards they were like moths. Moths are cool. Yeah, yeah. Are the,
9: we had one hatch
0: know. out in front of us. The little cocoon really? was wriggling around. It was okay. moving. And it was just in our garden.
9: Wow. And where did you find it?
0: It was just in our garden. It was like yeah. just the. Is it a pupa? Is that the name for it when it's in its cocoon?
3: Chrysalis. I, I don't know.
0: That's the actually, anyway, yeah. the thing that's usually just like still and rigid and mm. you know, big. It was like moving. Like, what? And then it just like mm. hatched out. How long did it take? Very eyes. Right. Not that long, maybe 15 minutes. Yeah. But then the wings aren't big. Yeah. Until the next day, because right. they actually have to fill with blood. Yeah. So, yeah, we looked in on it next day, and it was yeah. They eat honeysuckle. That, but the, um, the caterpillars live on willow herb, don't they? Roseberry willow herb. And so I couldn't then weed any of that yeah. out of the garden. So I was like, yeah. the caterpillars!
9: It's a thing. You find out something you're like, well, no. Yeah, have got to leave that plant yeah. there and leave that plant there. And... Yeah. Yeah. So what we're trying to do where I live at the moment is do more rewilding stuff in the garden and kind of, yeah, before all the weeding, sort of, if we don't know what it does, try and find out more about it. And, yeah, it seems like plants seem to like particular areas in the garden and they kind of... Uh, make themselves homes there, don't they? Yeah. So it's yeah, it's right before pulling stuff up, kind of find out what it is and why it's there, and then yeah. I think everyone's still there's a lot of people that
1: still have that kind of like it's like a Victorian gene that still lives in us, that's still quite like ah, neat lines, and this <laughs> will be ordered, and the garden shall be arranged in such a way, mm-hmm. and like, but I think you learn, I think the more I've done about you know, researching plants, why they grow in place. Not just, like, what is it, but, like, why does it grow there and why does, it, does that do that? And you sort of, you see, it's not that, like, Victorian order. It's a different order mm-hmm. so it still looks ordered to me. Mm. Like, you know, rewilded stuff, I still go, all oh, right, yeah, because there's mid-level stuff and then underneath it there's some forage or some something you know, something that's providing fertilizer and then under that there's some ground layer and that's doing just so it's, it's like reteaching yourself different systems. Yeah. Like a different lens I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I think is... We were talking about it in terms of countryside, weren't we? People have an attachment to seeing rolling hills with square uh-huh. h- hedges. yeah, and, and cows. And cows. You're going to have to get over that,
0: I'm afraid. Sorry.
10: Well, just that just that,
1: that will change, won't it? It if, will. You know, the more we rewild places, and for a lot of people... It'll there might messy. be an adjustment where it yeah. looks messy mm. yeah. And that's,
10: yeah
1: that's quite difficult but yeah. what I have found and this is a tip for anybody who works in school stick a sign next to it, you, it says wildflower yeah, area stick a sign next to yeah. anything <laughs> or you just oh what's that oh it's a pile of like junk and then you put a sign next to it and it goes like Park free hotel. resources and people go like oh lovely yes yeah. we've got a free resources area
0: can you do that though in your front garden if you live next door to some very fastidious gardeners and uh, you don't mow and they go I'll well, just mow your your lawn for you shall I because I don't like the way it looks and it's next to mine and all oh, those weeds are going to go into my it's garden like can you mm. put a sign in your own garden going fuck off it
9: does <laughs> <Well, laughs> yeah. yeah, rewilding can you sort of have it sort of flicker so it says you know fuck off leave it in my garden alone <laughs> <Yeah>. or <laughs> rewilding experiment or something yeah, yeah. I don't know I think That's part of it. Ooh. Ooh, interesting. So, how's your um, cooking stuff going Good.
1: Good. empty yeah. Flows, I think we uh, we ri- arrived when we did the first cooking book. We had quite a lot of it. it was like, that took about, it, it was a first album.
9: Yeah.
1: And then everybody expects the second album. Yeah, Yeah. You yes. go, actually, the first <laughs> one took like four years to get to. So I think we're slowly building up. That's another one. We realised that yeah. someone, I mean, we had to change what we're doing a bit because um, someone turned up, this was like a year ago, or oh, two years ago now, someone turned up to a toddler group a bit late and they were going, oh, what are we doing? Oh, 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 we're frying it, are we? Oh, yeah. Another thing we're frying. Another thing we're frying. (laughs) And we kind of went, ah, yeah, there is a pattern, isn't there? We really like frying stuff. (laughs) That's really bad. We're trying to use,
9: I think... But it's so delicious. Yeah. It's crunchy.
1: Yeah, Yeah, and also I think there's a thing of, you want a campfire cook in the summer, Mm. and you want a, like, bread oven cook in the winter. That's Mm. when you get into, like... Yeah, crumbles and things oh, yeah. like that. And that stuff that's a bit...
9: Stews. Yeah. Are
1: yeah. oh, there stews? But, hit and miss. Yeah. I don't like a stew. Don't you? Oh, and the soups
0: are good.
1: I can't, no, I can't do mixed textures. <gasps> things that I like... <laughs>
0: <laughs> Don't, just, yeah. It's, it's quite funny that you're interested in food, in a way, because sometimes you're like, no, but only this kind.
1: That's kind why I'm interested like, in it. The kind
0: you like, you really like, and if it's not that kind, it's no. Yeah. But we've had, like, quite a lot of groups who, well, not our, our main biggest group at the moment, haven't been into cooking for a few months yeah. or a few weeks,
1: maybe. They will when it gets colder.
0: They did yesterday yeah. for the first time, but we kept going, <laughs> like, you know, if you'd say, oh, let's think about next week, anyone want to, you know, and the people go, I want to bake. Like, okay, cool. And then you bring the ingredients. And be ready, and they're like, Nah, I've got some really, really important playing to do. Yeah. Cool. Okay, we'll just do it. And so, quite a few times, we've just been cooking by ourselves. But yesterday, yeah. some people were up for it, and it was like, Oh, okay. And I was like, no is that actually, doing the cooking. Don't talk about it. Don't mention it. Don't we
6: hit yeah, on a weird reflection
1: where we were like, So, our, the, a lot the children that come to that group. They need to eat fairly regularly, uh-huh. right? Every sort of two hours. Yeah. And so they've so say so they arrive, and we're now doing breakfast toast on the fire. So then after that, no-one wants to cook when they've just eaten because your brain can't do it. Mm-hmm. And then, they so they go off and they play. By the time they start to get hungry, it's actually so close to the next meal time yeah. that there's not time for them to then cook. So then they go, well, actually, I, I haven't got the mental energy to cook right now. I just need to eat some food. You go, hey, yeah. OK, I have some food. And then yeah. they've just eaten. So then they don't want to cook. So then and we're trying to go, well, this is two-hour sort of... Mm blocks in the day and then just you've just got to plough through and go i am cooking this yeah and i suppose so if you join
0: i think cool. that's the thing i think the more because we have a few new children as well and it's like once they see the result of it and taste it and mm. go oh actually that is quite nice i could do that next time mm.
9: that's the thing isn't it yeah yeah that yeah. carrot cake batter yeah. recipe oh, thing oh,
0: yeah so that was on the wild <laughs> cooking that's what and the eating next and sharing uh, facebook called, group
1: the next book is called chuck it in hot oil <laughs> and <you laughs> shove it in your gob
0: yeah that was on Nick Elby's Facebook group that somebody yeah. shared and it was like a nadia Hussein recipe mm-hmm. but um, yeah simplified it and didn't put any eggs and stuff like that just put oat milk in it mm. and didn't bother with the batter and it's basically pakoras it's like yeah. a sweet pakora mm. with loads of carrot yeah. and, um, and that's really fun and accessible it was really
1: easy for it was more to exciting open. than a cake because a cake's a bit like it goes away yeah. and then you open it and it has or hasn't worked but this mm. was kind of like yeah. whoa and there's floating in there. Yeah, yeah. You know.
0: There yeah. were a couple of very confused new people they're like, okay, we're making cake, yeah, I get it, I get it. And they were like, Yeah but where's the um the thing? And I was where's like, what cake? do you mean? Like the thing to like bake the cake like cook the cake in in, oh. the, in the oven and it's like no no it's gonna, it's, gonna, it's gonna they're like, What? Okay, but yeah, no it's tasty.
9: Where, where I work in Somerset, we've got, a, a new lady's joined us. She's called Yunmi, and she's South, got South Korean uh, parents. And so she's come with a whole, another sort of way of looking at food. So we grow some vegetables there, and she's been doing you know, vegetable pancakes. So I kind of do vegetable pancakes where I'll grate stuff up and put it in the batter, and you know, or, or pancakes, I mean what she does is cuts the vegetables really really thin sliced and then mixes that in the batter with a little bit of um, so it's quite eggy a bit of wheat flour but also with rice powder or um, potato starch is the other thing that she put in there and it just gives it an extra crunch so, imagine that. Yeah, with the little bits of chilli put in there too and it's, oh, it's been delicious that's, that's my uh, latest favorite yeah. good veg it's quick you can mix up the, the mixture in advance yeah. or you you can get more to, to um, help out, but when you want to cook it, yeah, you don't you don't have to wait long. Yeah, yeah. You know, it just goes in.
0: That sounds amazing, mm. and it reminds me of a Vietnamese pancake, which sounds very similar, mm. which I'd forgotten about until you mentioned it, and now I'm like reliving that moment. Oh my, I want to eat that have you right been now. To Vietnam? No, but oh. I used to live in East London, and there used to be a whole street of Vietnamese restaurants and a Ooh. Vietnamese cultural centre, and you could just walk out of your house and just go, oh well, I think we're going to have that food," and it would be like three pounds fifty. Mm for the most incredible yeah, Vietnamese pancake with coriander and chili sauce and oh!
1: Yeah. oh my god.
0: Yeah, I missed that. That was good. You're gone now. I'm gone. I'm just, just really has <laughs>
1: <Just there. laughs> gone. Yeah. Oh, thank Thanks. you for chatting to us.
0: That's yeah. a pleasure. Thank you That's very nice. Before you go, are you doing any um, are you just like running your things or have you got time to go to other stuff as well?
9: This is a source of my own stupidity and disappointment. Yes. I sort of thought and, and stinginess I think or whatever it is I thought oh yeah I can do three workshops I don't have to pay to be at the conference I'll do I'll offer three workshops yeah. that's fine but I didn't realise there are only three workshop slots so yeah, <laughs> yes, I can't yes. go to anything so I am a bit disappointed it well you can listen to this because we're going to go and annoy everybody excellent and Yeah. grab a flavour of it yeah I'm looking forward to listening to some of the speakers and. Yeah. but mostly sort of meeting people and a good
1: you help encourage chat? some stories around the campfire later
9: maybe yeah, we don't have to do them. No, don't yeah. to do extra work after yeah. the workshop. But if we can encourage them, I think that yeah. would be good. Yeah. We should do that. Yeah. And I do need to put a shout out for my tarp as well cuz I'm putting oh,
6: yeah, I've you're got sweet my tarp up in them. my area
9: here for people to see this time. So Ooh. that's that's good. That was a nice thing to set up. So not doing just workshops, sort yeah. of being tarp cellar. in So you, you've brought
0: some have you with you I to sell? I brought
9: one with me. Oh, yeah, I've got one to sell actually. Yeah. Yeah, I've got one here. That's in you this isn't like fruit and veg. Have you got <laughs> one pound of tarp? Yeah. Two <laughs> roll up, roll up. Yeah. But yeah, really looking forward to hanging out. And um, I, I don't know if you bought anything to celebrate being here this time, but I brought an umbrella. Can't believe it. I've never bought an umbrella before. Yeah. But tomorrow afternoon looks quite wet, doesn't oh it? Does. Yeah. Torrential. So, how are you going to keep your recording stuff poncho. dry? It's got poncho. Poncho. I'm just going to appear from the side of a bush. <laughs> It'll be like two little, like a Dalek maybe.
1: Yeah. One out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what? I recorded I'm not going to put this in at all. I was playing with this the other day, and I had the sensitivity turned right up, and I had it on headphones, like noise-cancelling headphones, and it sounded like um, foley work of someone walking on fresh snow. You're like... Yeah. (sighs) And I was going... What is going on? I was looking around me, and I could still hear the noise going... Yeah. (sighs) What was it? It was my beard. The microphone was in my beard, going...
8: Just
1: run around. Oh. Anyway, right, we've interrupted. I think we interrupted your food. Right, so Tony Juniper up next. Uh, Tony Juniper is speaking in this context. He is speaking only personally, not as the... So he is head of Natural England, um, but this is not him speaking from that position this is just his own personal position um, and he does a lot of uh, i guess a type of climate activism um and his particular strategy is going and talking i guess to the people who are in power or who have power and making the environmental um, situation important to them he did talk at one point about um in his speech which was Um, you know, about an hour long. And we do have the whole thing. If anybody wants to hear it, do let us know. So we have the whole thing recorded. Um, He talked about this idea that people have been using the, uh, I think he called it the sentimental Mm -hmm. argument of, you know, the environment's lovely, we should look after it since the 70s. And he said, it's just not, listen, you know, it's not working. Now's the time to change. And a lot of his speech was talking about how he makes the environmental benefits clearer to people in power or how he makes the financial uh, benefits clearer. Um, so, as I say, it was quite a long speech. And what we've decided to do is to cut out some of the more poignant questions um, that he answered in a Q&A at the end. So, here we are. Top
3: tips on speaking truth to power to make action work. Um... Yeah, uh, so um, a lot of what we've done over the years, like this is Friends of the Earth and not elsewhere and other roles I've had, is to take the science and to present that as the ultimate kind of um, uh, proof of the need for change, and and it's essential, and it's vital, but um, speaking truth to power, I think, also depends upon there being a narrative that would invite people to want to act. And, you know, quite a lot of what we find uh, coming through in the environmental discussion and the finishes up being angry kind of exchanges by people who seem to disagree. And, you know, there's obviously a place for that, and it has been an important driver of raising awareness. But I think if a lot of people who've got the power to want to go in the direction that we think is beneficial, desirable, I think you also have to give them some sense of why they want to do it too. And so, um that, you know, about framing, about how you present an argument, how you would like to, um, you know, get people to see your side of it by anticipating their side of it. And actually, you know, back in 2010, after that harmony book with the Prince of Wales, I became very convinced of the need for an economic argument which is, you know, the to Review is the most recent manifestation of that. And that, for me, was necessary for the corporate leaders and politicians, not only right of centre, actually, left of centre politicians in many countries, they saw the same logic. that have got to liquidate the environment in order to improve the well-being of people. But actually, in non-capitalist countries, that was even worse than it has been here. Look what happened in the Soviet Union. And so that economic rationale... It's kind of, um, it's got multiple purposes in terms of how you can start to get people to see some of what I just described a moment ago. You know, this is not nature or the economy. It's nature or there's no economy. And if you can land that in people who are, you know, planning the future of a major corporation or a country, then I think you start to get further from telling them they're wrong or the science is right, therefore you should do something. And it's not everyone's cup of tea, I think, you know, quite a lot of criticism for for writing those kinds of um, thesis about turning nature into an economic argument. People said, no, it's it's about the intrinsic value of nature, to which I said, well, I didn't say it wasn't. (laughs) It's both. It's not overall. And we've had the intrinsic argument for more than a century of conservation action, but it's not been enough to cut through. So getting to those people who are not us, this is the other thing to bear in mind. You know, a lot of the people who are running finance industries and big corporations, they didn't go to him camp when they were six. And they don't really know what we're talking about, that deeper kind of emotional level, that they can get the economic argument. But it's about forces of courses in some ways, isn't it? This is not to say we shouldn't bring all the six-year-olds here, of course we must. But at the same time, you've got to be convincing the 66-year-olds six who never came. Because they're still going to be there for another like 10 or 15 years. Yeah, but there's <laughs> <laughs> So how do we give people hope, make people feel powerless and stop them giving up and despairing? Um, that's a really good question. Because when you're can't choices. Yeah, when you're very young, you can't make choices, yes. But this is becoming more of an issue as more and more young people now start to understand this, isn't it? Choose juice turn their lights off. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's little action. So set actions being mentioned here, turning lights off and things like that. I think yeah, it depends on, on where you're growing up. If your parents are supportive and you've got a recycling thing and you've got energy efficient lights and you're kind of put uh, big garden, and you can go and pick a pond and these kinds of things. I think you know that there are ways of empowering youngsters to feel as though at least they're engaged and doing the right thing, even if they can't do everything. Um, but there is um, you know, a spectrum of circumstances out there with kids who uh, you know don't have that, they're not getting any support at home. Parents may think it's rubbish, in which case that probably is a source of realness now, isn't it? Which probably means then the schools become quite critical, I would have thought, in being able to equip children with some sense of agency and how they can actually make a difference themselves. And uh, I don't know how how the curriculum goes at the moment. I mean obviously you're all doing some of this in, in different ways, but in terms of the National Curriculum, what kids are getting in mainstream schooling, whether they're getting, you know, that kind of balance of messages. So here's the climate change, but also here's what you can do about it. I don't know if that's there, but I would say that probably that's quite an important bit of it. What is you
8: some of these they get all these messages? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
6: Yeah.
3: Yeah. No, then, yeah. 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 Yeah, indeed. Yeah, well, citizenship in its all the same, so I suppose, as they get a bit older and becoming activists, what Greta Thunberg has done. She's been an inspiration for some of those kids, isn't she? And giving them something to do direct action, school strikes and what have you. Yeah. It's right. yeah. yeah, I'm afraid I don't have an easy answer for you there, I mean, that's a huge question, it's, um, it's central to the whole thing. There was a conversation going on in the morning walking across here about the importance of hope, which probably, you know, has kind of in that same space as agencies. When the two go together, can I do something and therefore can I be hopeful? And, uh, yeah, that's fine. I'm just thinking about my ideas and some of the things I probably shouldn't share in a public platform no. but what I did when I was about 12 years old bear in mind and actually we wrote about this in harmony the place we've arrived in now you know, two centuries of urbanisation and that disconnection it was preceded by a few centuries of the basic parameters of human understanding of the place in the world of people changing and you know, uh, and to go back actually to the medieval period there was a time when uh, the the theology of Christianity was very much about God being present in everything, in the trees, in the rivers, in the fields, very much like the indigenous societies of the Amazon still today. And permission kind of was created for the modern world we live in now, by taking God out of nature and sitting him on a cloud, making him all-powerful in honour, and then for us then to be seen as acting in a way which was kind of God's will, if you, if, you, if you wish. And then that history of ideas brings us to where we are today. And so this is not small, this is not a press release in the sense of like, you know, how we're going to change that momentum of history. It's a highly strategic thought that requires thinking through and then very um, uh, broad coalitions being created to take us in a new direction. It's partly about narrative, as I said earlier. You know, the predominant narrative we have in the West is an economic narrative. And, you know, if we can get in there, maybe it's a start. I just say thank you for having me here. It's been absolutely wonderful to actually see some real people rather than a computer screen. And the rain has made it all more special, so thank you all. Right. hello.
1: Just to introduce yourself.
11: Mindy from Badgerwood Adventures in Cheltenham.
1: Oh, I'm going to point out more people now. Hello.
12: Hello, what are we doing?
1: Just having a chat, but I need to know who you are because I don't know who you are.
12: Ah, I'm Maria Prostranova from Greenbow Forest School Training and Greenwise People. And who are you, sir? I'm Matt. Uh, I run my own freelance forest school business, but I'm also one of the FSA directors. Look at that smooth. He's done it
1: before. How was what was dinner? I can't see anybody's plate.
12: It was a couscous slash rice slash curry type thing that wasn't spicy.
11: It was advertised
1: as a tagine. Isn't, isn't the rule, the more the longer the description, the fancier it is? If it's called, like, hot pot, it's just hot pot. If it's called, like, Spice Moroccan Hot Pot with a... Gla- if you lab- list the ingredients... Gr- yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, then it
12: becomes fancy. Absolutely.
1: Doing, are you doing a quiz in a
12: bit? I am, yes. very excited. I hope no one just leaves. I mean, it's in the dining hall where we are now, so I think hopefully we've got a captive audience. We're just going to zip down the tent, blubs, and that's it.
1: Yeah, I'm quite looking forward to seeing you try and control a crowd.
12: Oh, no different than a whole school of children, is it?
1: I don't know. A lot of these children are going to have, like, tools and blades. And beer. <laughs> and beer. <laughs> and beer. <laughs>
11: <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> he
1: makes So have we done workshops? Did you both do two workshops today?
11: Yeah, I did. What two did you do? Um, The morning one, I was with Mel Harrison. I did the sociocratic for school. Really, yeah, really interesting. It was good, wasn't it? Really good, yeah. It was really good. gives you a lot to think about.
12: So what what workshop did you do this morning? Uh, I've done two foraging. I did a foraging this morning with James and Lee, and that was amazing. And I did a foraging this afternoon with uh, Gemma. And both of them were amazing in their different ways, and really fantastic. So. have you
1: got anything you could like give us as a a thing that you foraged? Oh, I don't mean physically, like I don't, I don't want a bag of it.
12: <laughs> well, that's good because we've eaten everything that we've foraged. I'm still feeling okay at the moment. Um, we found a, or rather Gemma found, a beefsteak fungus on the back of a, an oak tree. Um, it was a bit far gone so we couldn't taste it, but uh, it, at least we know what it looks like and it's fairly interesting to learn about. I've never seen one in the flesh, as it were, before. So. Would you feel confident now
1: with a group? If you Would you know, like... Because I feel like there's one level of confidence, which is like, I can forage for stuff that I would eat. And then there's another level that's like, I would forage for stuff that I would give to a child to eat. And the level of confidence is like astronomically higher.
12: I think probably I would still avoid most of the fungi unless I knew exactly what it was. And also because you don't know what they're going to react to and you don't know how they're... Digestive systems are going to cope with. That stuff.
1: Said like a man with a reputation to preserve.
12: <laughs> uh, yes, absolutely. We did stop picking hawthorn berries when they were very close to a yew tree. So that is quite. Ooh. That's a close one. On the risk assessment, definitely. Let's not pick those ones. Uh,
1: You've got to refer to them as whores, though, surely.
12: Yes. When the opportunity arises
1: to refer to something as whores...
12: But that goes over the head of a four-year-old, so... (laughs) Maybe not with a teacher, parent-helper,
11: but... Yeah, like I go back home and, uh, just keep, keep repeating the fact that, you know, that what, they, what they've learned today, and then, you know,
7: it, it might get lost in translation when they get home.
1: Yeah, that's true. What did you do with Matt at Forest School today? We found a lot of whores. <laughs> <laughs>
7: yes,
12: yeah, some big laws and ladies as well, and, and right, pretended to you know, use them as salad leaves.
1: Who was it? Somebody told me once about a story where they, their children had... D- They'd gone and found um, forest peas, and it was Lord... Was it you? It was
12: me. Uh, there you yeah. go. T- so, go on. Uh, they, they found uh, an unripe for but- Lily with a uh, green lovely peas growing on it, and they started shucking them, taking all the little seeds out of the middle, until they got an itchy rash over their fingers, and then they realized that they'd probably done something a little bit wrong. So yeah, that was fine. We have shoved a bit of longleaf plantain on it, a bit of antihistamine, it was fine.
1: Ooh, how, how fast was your heart going at that
12: point? Fairly fast, <laughs> and it was the only time I've ever taken Facebook out in front of a class a poisons identifying group, and I wasn't entirely sure because all the rest of the arum lilies were flowering red and they had their their red fruits on them. This was green, so. You know, they're absolutely brilliant to be able to rely on someone like that, but when parent helpers see you scrolling through Facebook with a a group of 30 children, it does give the wrong impression until you tell them the context in which you're using it for. Yeah, guys, just doing a status update, actually.
1: So we did. We've both done the same. We've had the we've had the same day. Yes, that is in my plan. Um, so we did. Lily's ne- oh, I was just gonna call it needs.
11: It, was it needs two or something? I'm not, not really sure.
1: Oh, I can't really remember.
13: It was Lily running the workshop, to be honest. <laughs>
11: We just you
1: see, Lily, and, you sign up.
13: Girly, yeah, really. so, yeah, that's
1: the only reason. It was good. It was very big, very fast.
11: It was, it was intense. It, was yeah,
1: quite... it went from like, are you all alright? Do you need the loo? <laughs> what are the unmet needs of the unconditional human psyche? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're about to hear from. Uh, The Children's Forest. Well, from one of the people from The Children's Forest.
0: Yeah, so this is Anna Richards... Um, and she's part of the Children's Forest along with lots of other practitioners Um, and you might have read some of Anna Richardson's books so The Children's Forest is a book that came out quite recently which is a really lovely um, sort of all year round collection of stories and songs and um, crafts and celebrations and things Um, and she also co-wrote Learning with Nature which was a book that really helped me out at the beginning of my
9: practice Oh yeah, definitely
0: Yeah, Um, and she also led with a couple of her um, colleagues the tree songs workshops I went to at the weekend as well so after this explanation from her about the children's forest um you'll hear a couple of extracts of some of the songs that we learned about trees which was just magic it was so good and are
1: these uh am I right in saying they're songs that she and the group made up they're new songs yeah. or they're old songs what are they
0: they're new they sound really ancient um people I've played the songs to especially the holly song they've said wow is that like a really old song um but no they've all been co-written some sometimes the lyrics have been written by anna and then the tune has been written by a friend of hers or um some of the other songs were written by the members of the um of the group so yeah they're all new
1: oh great okay well let's listen to uh what the children's forest is all about and then uh stick around for some songs at the end
2: children that we work with and how it really cultivates um, a proper and deep care for the natural world. And I've noticed, and I'm sure many of you have, that especially younger children are fascinated by the tiny life in the forest. And they'll find the most tiny insects and make little homes for them and be food out for the fairies and create tiny little shelters and homes for animals in the roots of the trees. And they seem to have A deep rooted instinct for our role in caretaking and protecting nature. So there's so much to be grateful for the woods. The golden green light through the leaves and the smell of the earth, the wood for our fires and the scent of the wood smoke, the sound of the birds to give us medicine and the berries and the nuts that feed us, streams to splash in up
6: places.
2: When we really receive all these gifts from the forest and from the trees, it generates in us a desire to really ask the question, what can we do to give back? And we realise that the first thing we can do is to tend and protect the existing woodlands that we know and love that protecting existing woodlands is vital and equally as important as planting new ones. And our love for the trees and our care for their future, their future, um, naturally will lead us into gathering the seeds of the trees to plant them and tend them as they grow and protect them so that they can become young trees to be planted out in the children's forests. So the children's forests are to be protected sanctuaries for the children yet to come and not only for just the human children but the children of the squirrels and the deer, uh, the children of the oak and the birch the children of the primrose and the moss so can we really imagine what it would be like to consider seven generations ahead in everything that we do Ancient forests that are thriving with life that were planted long, long ago by us, the children that we know. So, as Joe was saying, we live in unprecedented times. It is the climate of change, and we have a responsibility now to uh, to consider the restoration both of our environment and our culture. Um, The children need stories that are inspirational and positive. And we need to offer them hope so that they can move forward into a time, into a future that feels inspiring for them. So as well as that we need purposeful action in the face of climate change. Um, we need we need action that will truly benefit and help restore our world, such as the planting of trees, is one of those things that we can do. And engaging children in that activity, in that simple activity, offers hope. And it also, it really importantly, gives them a sense of agency, and to experience themselves as change makers, and caretakers, who know how to tend the natural world. So it is time for us to put the children in the center. Not only our own children, but the children trees and plants and animals and we need to consider them all as our family and we need to consider them all in all our visions, all our decisions, all our actions because their futures are entwined with each other. So let us bring our hearts and minds together in support of them and may there be a bright and healthy future for all the children. And I really want to thank all the children who come here today for their huge courage to come and share their voices with us. And just to let you know that we care for you, support you, and we love this beautiful world. Thank you growing yeah so it really actually loves to it it usually grows like high up on the mountains hence mountain ash um and it is a tree that really loves to be in the in the sky in the light you know in that way and often will be on that kind of ericaceous soil that you get like on heathlands and in wales and probably seen them mostly up in wales and cumbria and scotland like a slightly more kind of wild and ashy kind of soil so where heather really likes (laughs)
10: oh Oh, the bright the red berry growing shining in the sun where the purple heather's growing
6: oh the bright the red
10: berry growing dancing with the dragons dragons on the wild high hill. high on the hill hill. the red berry growing roots among the rocks where the mountain streams (laughs) are flowing Row, the red berry rowan dancing in the wind on the wild high hill. Oh, the bright the red berry rowan shining in the sun where the purple heather's growing. Oh, the bright the red berry rowan dancing, dancing with the, the, dragons the dragons on the wild
8: high hill
10: from the northern lands on a starry night. In the fall of the red wing in flight. Through <laughs> the autumn door to the misty mountain air, the gifts of the rowan tree are waiting there. Oh, the bright, the red berry rowan, shining in the sun where the purple heather's growing. Oh, the bright, the red berry rowan, shining with the dragons on the wild high hills. Goes, where the white rowan goes For the rowan berry red will burn their toes Not a palm will come be near When the light of the rowan-tree is growing here Oh, the bright the red berry rowan Shining in the sun where the purple heather's growing On
4: the wild high hill.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So, we thought for the last and the very last moment of our song forest workshop, we could actually get our boots on and go out there and sing to a tree.
1: So what you're about to hear is uh, a couple of interviews that I ended up doing on my own uh, while Gemma was off at a workshop. Um, I started off with Sarah Lawful and then as people walked past, uh, we grabbed a few people. Um, If you don't know, Sarah Lawful is amazing for knowing everybody and also knowing um, amazingly what their strengths are. So Sarah helped uh, find some other people who were willing to talk to me. So uh, let's have a listen. It is good. It sounds a lot like, do you know, John Taylor Gatto. It's American, so it's Gatto. No. G-A-T-T-O... He's like one of the. He was so he was New York's Teacher of the Year. Uh, this is some years ago now, um, and he basically did that. He's like a champion of unschooling. You know that whole thing of yeah. like self-directed learning. and yeah. Curriculums are absolute crud. And his whole thing was, he basically got pulled up in the end because he was marking his students in, but he was setting them up with like, right, you're going to go and uh, you're going to go and see what it looks like to work in the fire department this afternoon just one kid and going right you've got to get the bus there mm-hmm. you've got to work out how to mm-hmm. do it okay you want to work out how to do this okay you have got to go and you know you're going to go and work with this person's uncle and like networking all these people it's almost like returning back to like apprenticeships
11: yeah yeah
1: and just that thing isn't it of like yeah yeah
11: but that's how you find out what jobs there are in the world, isn't it? Oh there?
1: yeah, and there's so much. I think there's uh, there's such a stigma about trades and stuff that you, you know, there is definitely a lot of stuff in this country, at least, about class and jobs and, yeah, you know, some jobs aren't, you know. Whether it, when it should be have you seen that get I can't remember what the picture is and it's like what we judge a job on and it's like 50% job title 50% salary and it's like what we should judge a job on and it's like free time mental space joy of the job you know all these mm. other bits mm-hmm. that piece together James is coming through with Baron hello hello James hi how are you doing I'm good how are you are you surviving the
4: rain well yeah this little man's doing pretty well all around we're doing good we've been doing some woodland management Why well, you're wet, you wet know aren't you? There's a point there's no way you're just wet and you yeah. just crack on, don't yeah. you? Yeah. yeah. We're supposed to be outdoor leaders, so we can't complain, can we? It's all going well. <laughs> <laughs> what what, what management are
11: really
4: we doing? Isn't it? So we did a little state of management session. So just looking at um, the woodlands up the way, beautiful ancient woodland here, looking at different ways you could manage it so one group was professional foresters one group nature therapists one group doing forest school and the other one purely for wildlife and just looking at the different ways we could do it different ways we could manage the wood and then we did some like practical of actual cutting down the coppice how does that work safe tool use that kind of thing so nice. good fun as much yeah, as you could nice. back into two hours uh,
11: yeah it's good yeah. fun.
4: yeah so yeah baron has been coppicing baron has um, been has been staying in the dry actually he's been all right but he's providing moral support which is always good but he's thinking about food, I bet. Anyway, yeah, it's been a good afternoon so far. Brilliant. We're gonna get drunk. Oh, yeah, Brilliant. okay. <laughs>
1: beautiful.
4: <laughs> so we're
1: on Saturday afternoon. Yeah. We're about would you say I reckon we're halfway through? We call this halfway
13: through? Yeah, halfway. Halfway
1: I think. Highlight so far? Actually no, I'm gonna ask you a different question. Go on. Which is so I have I have been watching you. I have been watching you and you have an incredible skill that I, I don't have and I don't think many other people have which is I've not yet used, seen you talk to a person whether you know them or not and within about a minute you have already highlighted what's amazing about them and told them it's amazing and just like gone whoop how'd you, how'd you do that <laughs> because that's a skill and, it, and doing it at a conference you know is amazing and you know, everybody talks to you and then they're like,
11: Oh, I feel good. Wow. Um I think encouragement is so important. You know, when I first started teaching I, I I was just stunned you get all these children turn up and they think they're all rubbish at stuff and they don't know how brilliant they are mm. and then if we call in what what's, what's brilliant about you and just tell you when I was dead young I mean I must have been 12, 13 max and a teacher said to me Sarah you're never afraid to say sorry when you make a mistake and thanked me for it and that's, that, that spoke into my life it's okay to make a mistake and you can say sorry uh-huh. and you're good at it there's something you're good at and then if, you, if you're told you're good at something it just makes you want to do it more mm. what we do in school is we tell children what they're all bad at and that's why I love forest school because forest school is we're going to take all these people we're going to help them all discover what they're brilliant at and we're going to just get them doing tons of that and then when when you're in that place you then have your your you're primed you're ready you've got this all the soil and all the juicy goodness that's there mm. to grow those things that are trickier when you feel rubbish about yourself you can't do anything you can't learn you can't build healthy relationships or any of that stuff you start making people feel great
6: mm.
11: you know you you say i see this in you and i value it and we can do that you can do that when you're at the bus stop with somebody you can you can make the difference to somebody's day and I be- so encouragement i think and Encouragement is about giving people courage, mm. and that's what we do at Forest School brilliantly. and I think that's what these conferences do. I sat in a group with um, Joe McAndrew, and we were talking about eco anxiety and how do we change that?
8: Oh, that's massive! How
11: do we do that stuff? Yeah, and what one of the key things that she did, she went around and said to people, Are you brave enough to say what you want from coming to this conference and from being in this session? And, and so many people will, like, I want courage, I want to be brave, I want to be able to stand up and I want to stand up for children and stand up for the planet and um, and have difficult conversations and be honest about my feelings and own my feelings and have difficult conversations and there were times when the conversation was difficult it was painful to talk about education because we really care about we care about children we care about the teachers we we know people who sweat blood and tears yeah, yeah. to change the world and yet we're in a system that is asking us to really look at creating an education system that is about behaviour and control. Mm and management and we had one of the people there was saying the behavior hubs are teaching schools are going to have to use slant it sounded like some bond oh enemy I've seen have slant. you heard about is slant It's
1: like an acronym t- it's like a it's a stepped thing isn't it It's or not
11: steps to me it seems iniquitous and it is completely against everything we know and believe to be effective relational, mm-hmm. empathic, compassionate, community building and rich learning. It just to me. So, so she. This the, the, the uh, FSA member or or part, person in the group says SLANT stands for. Let me get this right. That children are going to sit. Mm-hmm. They're going to listen. No, they're leaning. They're leaning. They have to lean forward. So they sit. They lean. They ask questions. They nod, and they track. The the teacher with their eyes holy fuck that's slant
1: and so, they're so, so sorry what's it so they're saying that coming, schools are going to have to start doing this. this is
11: this is the approach that is coming out of those beacon schools that schools are going to use for their behavior model
1: well, i feel a tiny bit sick
11: so how important is it that we're all here talking about actually we want to give children hope is that going to give children hope
1: oh, i mean it's It's not even going to give children success, is it? I mean, that's crazy.
11: It's mad, isn't it? It's absolutely crazy. So how important it is that we're here and that we actually are doing something that meets the needs of children and young people and teachers. It's about, you know, we're talking about emotional health, physical health, mental Mm. health, spiritual health, intellectual health.
1: I think that's one of the things, isn't it? It's like... I was thinking about why, you know, it's hard to find a reason that somebody does forest school that isn't altruistic, because, not to blow our own trumpet, none of us are in this for the money it's only me here that's in it for the ego, right? Everyone else here is relatively selfless. Um, So any reason that you do for a school is, is about helping some group, and it's almost like we just need all these different approaches because I can't meet all the needs of every group in every way, and it's like all these little pockets of like, oh, this person's being really altruistic towards this community, and this person's absolutely nailed this community, or this person's really working from inside this community and like yeah there's not I can't, I, there, there can't be a bad reason to start doing this and, and meeting all these other things I think for me it's kind of a lot a lot of people I've talked to it's like realizing that I didn't know I wanted to be an advocate for some. Th- some of these things until you meet someone who's like fully into that thing. You know, you've got—we all have our own little personal, like, oh, I'm connected to this thing and I'm connected to this thing. And then you meet someone who's like really connected to sort of a different bit. You go, oh yeah, I should bring a bit of that into me. It's like pulling in ingredients, and just going, like oh, can I have a bit of that? Can I have a bit of that ingredient? I submit it's—it is amazing. It's um, it's a shame that the ra- well. Actually, I think I was gonna say it's a shame it's raining, but I actually think the rain is quite good because it's pushing people together. Whereas normally you might be all spread out. Mm. So well done on planning it on a rainy weekend. That was a stroke.
11: Very serious. clever, wasn't it? I it was know. clever.
1: People doubted you. <laughs> <laughs> but it is that thing. If you just have, you have to huddle, don't you? Um, yeah. And then. Because you're next to people, you start talking to them.
3: Yeah.
1: Hey, Hey, could you Tanya. tell us about
13: Tanya? This, this is, is Tanya. Tanya. Hi. Hello. I'm going blue.
1: Why are you going blue?
13: Because we printed the logo and this is now slightly running. Oh, you're like you're, me, I've been running printed everywhere.
1: Logo. <laughs> yes. Can I see? Is it on the back?
13: Yeah, but I'm not Tanya at the moment. I am somebody else. Are you Barry? You're Mark. What You're making do? the magic happen. Oh, we're making the magic happen. Isn't it lovely? So
1: you've been in this. Is it screen printing? It's not screen
13: printing. Uh, it was a lino cut right.
1: from an
13: original design for um, this conference, which is beautiful, designed by Peter Nell. And then um, we've had um, this beautiful lino cut then made that is can be rolled on and then printed onto anything. Well, yeah. We printed it onto the signs that you see everywhere. That are very helpfully. Have you been involved yeah. in all of this? All oh, of oh gosh, yes. Oh, amazing! It's two, this morning and yesterday. Yeah. I've been literally dancing as I've been walking along because I'm so excited and so happy that we're actually finally here. It's, it's incredible. Been a long, long
1: time. A lot of work.
13: Well, Not that know, work.
1: Not that much work. That's what I've had. Not that much work at all. It's an
13: interesting thing because the work is almost like all of the thinking process before we get to this point. And yes, there's physical work, but that's what we do in forest school anyway. Yeah. There's so much that goes on. We can't really class as work. Yeah. It's just being physical. And it's the fu- it's a funny thing. I've been standing today, and I've realised that I'm a physical creature that needs to <laughs> kind of flop around and run around a bit and do things. Yeah. I
1: know, right? Which I was just saying, it's kind of funny, the rain has pushed everybody into these tents, which is making, I think, making people talk to each other, who might not, know. you know, if it was lovely weather, on this bit of green, everyone would be spaced out in, like, twos, threes, it would be in comfort zones, something about forcing people under shelter is actually, I said it was very clever of Sarah to have planned it on a rainy weekend.
13: (laughs) Well, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be right otherwise, would it? I mean, this is what we're about.
1: I would like it to stop. It is stopping tonight, though, isn't it? Because. Yes, so I've heard. I would like to. As much as the noise on tents is very calming to go to sleep, yes. long-term, it makes me quite stressed when I'm in the tent. And it's like a growing, like, is it going yeah. to yes. go? go? Is it going to go? Is it going to go?
13: Absolutely. So um, I didn't camp because, obviously, I'm in Oxford. Oh, so I, I really wanted to. I have a tiny pop-up tent, and it's a blackout tent, and it's my absolute sanctuary when I go to festivals. I love it. Um, I can make it as messy as I like in there it is like a little womb like pod it's beautiful, <laughs> and I will sleep really well. And it's warm. Now, um, I really wanted to camp, but I thought there are people coming from Sussex, Edinburgh, yeah. all over the country, and they needed the camping. Mm. You know, never mind the lack of petrol. I mean, it's it's been oh, incredible, yeah. hasn't it? These people have come from miles away and managed to end up. Doing who's
1: the? F- well. How do you reckon? Who's the furthest? Do you reckon? So I've talked to somebody from Northern Ireland. Yeah. So that's the farthest I've heard. Have yes. you heard further than Northern Ireland?
13: No, but I heard a wonderful story about the Irish fairies. Now, when we were listening to the um, was this the was forest. this Chris? Children of the Forest. Children's Forest. Yes, Children's Forest. Sorry, and well, they're obviously off of the forest as well. But it's <laughs> slightly confusing
1: because and this is where. So John Crean nearly gave me uh, an aneurysm once because so. <laughs> We are the Forest School podcast, yes. but our Forest School is called Children of the Forest, yes. Yes. and John spent a really long time in a meeting once telling me what Children of the Forest were going to be doing, and that they were planting hundreds yes. of trees and all this stuff. And I was going, "I'm not doing any of that, John. No. What's going on?" So there is, well, it was worth clarifying. Yeah, Children's Forest Children's did a forest. did a presentation this morning.
13: They, well, yes, and it was beautiful. And within it, we were um, singing, and um, it was just glorious. It was glorious. When, And I learnt about the hawthorn and how the hawthorn, if it's a single tree, actually goes into the ground and is a connection to the fairies. Now, we're all going, oh, that's so lovely, but actually the fairies in Ireland are cheeky things. They do really naughty things. They're naughty. They're not good fairies. They're cheeky fairies. And they will come along and move the farmer's tools, for instance. So just when the farmer needs to go and do the things that he's doing... Off they go, the fairies. Oh, the fairies have done it. I can't do an accent. My friends from um, Northern Ireland. That's
1: okay. It's probably safer that yeah, you don't. For you, know, I'm not going
13: to do. it. I'm not going to do it. But I can hear Lisa in my head now, telling me about the fairies, and she knows that they're real because she lived there. So obviously, wow. I'm going to have to go back now and ask her about the hawthorn trees, the lone hawthorn trees, and whether that's where they were coming from. Oh, Amazing. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. Oh, I know. So maybe the fairies are feeling a little bit. Damaged too. Maybe they're standing under those trees thinking, when is it going to stop raining? Or maybe they're the ones that did the rain dance to start with. Mm. Just for us.
1: Just for us. Yes,
13: just well, that's for a positive us. way of looking at it. <laughs> well, I try to. I, I, Sarah will tell you that I am often the, the, the positive person that will try really hard to find something. And it's a gift that I have, and I don't know where I get it from, but I will always try to find something, or it just happens to land on me, in my head. There it is. Something amazing. lovely. Amazing.
1: <laughs> Just so I can get it right. What would you, what's your full, full name and it do you okay. have somewhere that you work?
13: I do. My name is Tanya Wetton and I work at Sand Hills Community Primary School and I'm the school lead there. Amazing. Thank, Thank you. very
11: much. Thank it's you. Great. Lauren would
13: love to talk. Hello, Lauren. Lauren. <laughs> you look really <laughs> unsure about me. Lauren in
11: This is what Sarah <laughs> does. Lauren's goes, it. This person wants to talk. Lauren works <laughs> in Hackney, she is doing amazing work and she ran a fabulous workshop in Surrey around diversity and inclusion and is doing amazing. incredible work and I said you're hosting you're kind of heading up the EDI working group
8: Yeah. And
11: Lauren and we need her <laughs> sure, sure. she knows, <laughs> she knows <laughs> we need her she knows we do no and, and, more
1: than that and Lauren
11: and Richard and Marnie at the garden classroom want to chat with us but there's Lauren I oh, he stole amazing. her
1: have you got to? Uh,
13: yeah I mean, of
1: course we'll stand next to you. there's a dead fox in here have you seen it? There's a taxidermied...
7: Oh, oh, but it's taxidermied. after. after I was excited, I <laughs> not well, okay.
1: well, I mean, it is dead. It's then been taxidermied.
7: No, but I thought it was, like, decomposing or something inside.
1: When I was at... Uh, when I was at school, my when I first arrived at my secondary school, the biology lab was covered in taxidermy and like right, shit in okay. bottles yeah. and like two-headed sheep and like <laughs> no, all of this crap and then they got rid of it in the second year I was there and they made it just a normal classroom yeah. and they were like oh that's much more focused." and I was like
7: it's
1: okay now I don't care about any of this
7: yeah we had a we had a dead fox in um the forest a couple of weeks ago yeah yeah and sort of showed the kids and went back and then it just had all these maggots and they were loving it looking at it Um, And yeah, no, it's just bones.
1: So did you do anything to it? You just looked at it and then it happened? We kept
7: going back. And then uh, the idea was to, you know, collect the bones, you know, sort of just, just clean them up a bit and then yeah. they're there for the children to observe and just, like, talk about and learn, um, which we've done with sort of other things that we've found in the forest, but,
1: yeah. Have you seen those... Um, do you know Jake's Bones? Do you know that? that? So it's like, a home-ed kid. This was, like, years ago now. And he made this own, he made his own website about bones and, like, decomposing stuff and, like, how to, like, preserve it. Like, what happens if you put it in bleach? What happens yeah. if you burn it? What happens if you did this? And he said the best one was, like, um, he had metal, like, chainmail bags. You know, like a
3: chink, chink, chink,
1: So he put the animal in chainmail and bury it so all the microbes and stuff could still get to it and eat it and clean it but then you dig so it doesn't get lost then yeah. you dig the metal bag back up and it's just a metal bag full of clean boats
7: no that is amazing yeah That's clever isn't it yeah that is really clever That's amazing yeah I'm blown away yeah.
1: so sorry I've distracted you. so you did a project in Hackney
7: yeah so it, it's not a project no more it started oh. off as a project okay. um, a part of a children's centre that I work at in Hackney uh, it was something that was developed um, by my manager, and it got funding for the first two years. Um, so it's, it's quite diverse in terms of what it provides. So it was forest school, um, summer play scheme or mm-hmm. half-term play schemes. Um, we had after school clubs as well, um, twice a week. So you take the children out and including oh. in the dark as well. So we used to do the twilight sessions and stuff.
1: Did you like torch tag and stuff?
7: Yeah, yeah, we've done the whole thing, you know, like the ghost stories around fire and um, sort of um, hand, sort of shadow, sort of puppet stories. We got oh, kids. cool! Yeah, we used to just put a white tarp up in between two trees, and then we would put would line us a, a torches just behind it, and then the children would get into groups and just tell stories. Yeah. So how old are the how
1: old are the kids are we talking about?
7: Um, so Handling Forest School ranged from at the age of one to eleven. So we had right. like drop-in sessions where the okay. families would come in with their children mm-hmm. and just spend time doing forest school sessions it was a whole point so that parents are starting to understand more about what forest school is that was for one to five year olds then we have school sessions booking six block sessions with me um some of them do it for a whole year as well oh, nice. yeah um so it's very broad mm-hmm. um and for some schools who are interested in forest school would do like inset days so we will just do a small sort of Twilight presentation on what Forest School is and um, what we do. So thank
1: you.
7: I was in there waiting for
1: you. Stuart has appeared with a cup. Hello, Stuart. nice How you doing?
7: me a tea mug thank you so I'll it back when you're done yes. or
6: tomorrow
7: yes thanks Stuart um, so yes yeah, so it's started as a project and the idea was um, to try and sustain it mm-hmm. so that it can run off its own cost yeah. um, so it's not free um, it is a charged cost um, and then recently we opened up Maple Kindergarten which is a four day outdoor oh, nursery wow. for preschoolers that's amazing yeah so they get dropped off in the forest they get picked up
1: from the forest oh, incra- yeah. how are you finding that oh, are you love deli- it. are you delivering that yeah
7: kind so, of so me and um two of my colleagues um we run it um are these colleagues
1: can we talk to more colleagues yeah,
7: this is genevieve Have you eaten? yes no i haven't eaten yeah yeah so <laughs> Um, so, yeah, so through the nursery, it's, a, it's part of the nursery, it's just an outdoor class, so we've right. got no indoor. Um, obviously, if the weather gets really bad, we'll go back to the centre and oh. we'll find somewhere. Um, yeah. So, yeah, but we do use public space, which is Hackney Marshes. Okay. Yeah. So I've not have
1: been, but tell me about Hackney Marshes.
7: So, Hackney Marshes is one of the largest green spaces in London. Um it's got a large marsh area in the centre, it's got football pitches on it, so there's lots of sort of children um, and young people doing sort of football session. And then at the surrounding area you have sort of miniature forest woodland areas oh, cool. um, that have been planted up, like quite a few years back. So it was sort of a dumping ground there's quite a lot of history right. to it. Um, and then we do it in there. So we pack all our trolleys. We take it over the bridge because we've got we're right next to the canal. You
1: pack, you pack in, pack out then. Yeah, For a full nursery.
7: Yeah. Ooh. Tell me about it. Credit. Yeah. Credit where
4: it's due. Yeah,
7: honestly. So we have to put up shelters, take them down. Everything goes back. Otherwise, it gets stolen. It will not be there when we get back. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. We litter pick because it's public. So we're right. constantly picking up litter. Yeah. Dog poo, human poo. Yeah.
1: Your name, it's in there.
7: Yeah, yeah, so we do a lot. Wow. And to support the council as well. Do
1: you involve anyone else in that? Do you, like, the parents help with that stuff, or you you kind of Um, go, we'll deal with this? No,
7: I think we just, like, deal with it, but we do know that some parents, um, they've got their own sort of, like, forest school sort of outdoor sessions that they do. Um, So there's a network of people that do similar stuff to what we do that are also doing the same thing by supporting the council and, you know, like picking up the rubbish and stuff. So, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Amazing.
1: So you said it's been going two years or it was funded for two years? So
7: it was funded in 2017 um, for two years, but it's been able to sustain on the cost of children coming in through all these different services which has been able to carry on um employing me um and the team um to carry on running the services so yeah oh amazing yeah and
1: so what's the next is there a next bit is it like it's just ticking over
7: um it's hard um we're really sort of On high demand, I think there needs to be more. There's like lots of other like forestry things going on. There's lots of other sort of forest school nurseries going on. It's still not enough in London, but the problem is is the space. Oh, really? The green space that we have. um, You know, you go outside of London, and it's it's a lot more rural. Mm -hmm. So you've got the opportunity to do it. Um, And obviously, some. You know, we don't really have. You know, like camping sites like this, where you know that you can rent out the the space, or you know, be a part of it, or be in partnership. So it's quite difficult. So some people are using um, other green spaces. That might be a part of like a cemetery, and there's a small like greenery section um, in the cemetery. So that's what. People are doing in London. Yeah, uh, just to get their forest school sessions. I
1: mean, there's no, I mean, I don't think there's any. I don't think there'd be shift there.
7: No, I it's mean. absolutely fine. It's just the children don't have much different. opportunity as what you know other children would have outside of London in terms oh. of the biodiversity and seeing things and the wildlife. And,
1: and I think lots of people can get hung up on that, can't they? Like, lots of people. Um, I was talking to a a student of mine who's going to do forest school, and I was kind of going, in your head, it sounds to me like you want to do Enid Blyton apple picking and on a check blanket and whatever else. And I was going, forest school might be, like, shooting lasers at each other and pretending you're in Minecraft. You know, know, because you see all these pictures of, like, incredible green spaces and, like, people sometimes go oh it's not worth doing in like this corner of a school field but if um, that's what you've got then uh,
7: yeah you, you, know, you know when i got trained to do forest school like the idea is that f- f- you could do forest school anywhere yeah it's just yeah it's just the opportunities are different you know some places children don't get that physical development that they would get from climbing a tree because they just don't have any climbable trees mm. where they're located. So it just depends. But at the end of the day, it's still an outdoor space that they're accessing. They're outside. You know, there's yeah. there's, there's health benefits. They're getting there.
1: the pedagogy. They're exactly. doing all
7: that. Yeah, there's, there's hundreds of so reasons what's, why it's good for them being outdoors.
1: Because, uh, you know, is the next bit then that we... Campaign for more green space in London. Is it that we yeah, look for so. more leaders? What's the...
7: like? You know what Anna Richardson's doing. You know, you know the Children's Forest. There's probably potential space mm-hmm. to develop more forestry areas in London. Um, like
1: those roads that are owned by like Dubai millionaires, and we just knock them all down. Should we? <laughs> go for
7: Not that? so much, but there are quite a lot of small green pocketed spaces that are just not doing anything. Right. Do you see what I mean? So it's how do we utilize those spaces, mm. um, you know, or how do we develop it so that, you know, that there's the one, we are supporting the whole thing around climate change and the whole thing with, you know, insects becoming, you know, endangered, you know, certain species and stuff. So it's stuff like that, that we need to focus on and trying to, you know, maybe develop the playgrounds, you know, quite a lot of them are still concrete. Um, they're just not green enough, and there's a lot of health and safety around.
1: Health and safety fear. Yeah.
7: yeah. 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 You know.
1: And that's that's sometimes really hard, isn't it? When you go, when you're working, you try and work with a school, and you've got to go, you've got to go back down to like baby steps. Yeah. I'd like, okay, maybe it's not rubber corners on all the tables. Maybe yeah. it's not. You know. Yeah. them where they are sometimes I think can be the hardest thing as a practitioner where you want to go like I can do this,
7: yeah, can do this amazing stuff. Exactly.
1: I gotta meet you here. Yeah. And I gotta work and you gotta yeah. do all that stuff.
7: Yeah, you know. Or the children aren't allowed to go outside because the in the, the the playground it's wet and it's deemed too dangerous. It's
1: definitely dangerous. How dare they? How dare children be allowed it's out in the west dangerous
7: but it's manageable and how high of a risk it is to the point where they need to be inside, it's not high enough in my opinion. Yeah. You know, it's just how they manage it.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, thank you for chatting with me yeah. for a few minutes. You're
7: welcome, yeah. Great. Go so get some food.
1: Yeah. <laughs> right. Just so I've got it. Yeah. Have your full name and where you work. And then I can get it yes. right. Is that right? Yeah. yeah.
7: Yeah. So my name's Lauren Mills and I work for Hackney Forest School. Great. Thank you.
1: It's amazing. Hi again, guys. So what you're about to hear is recorded at about half past eleven, maybe twelve o'clock at night. In the background, you might be able to hear there's a line dance going on uh, and a line dance caller teaching people how to do the line dance. But mostly what you're about to hear is two people who have been outside in the rain, for hours on end, slightly losing their mind and losing their grip on reality. So enjoy and uh, thanks for listening.
5: Munch, munch, munchy, munchy pizza munch! Have you got dips? i got dips. Is that dip?
1: You've Are they vegan go... dips? Yeah, they're like... Where's the dip? It is this? The dip? This is
0: dip. Some
1: double dip. dip. You it? have your own dip. Oh,
0: thanks. It's like
1: vegan garlic and hummus. Amazing not hummus Business, we're
0: eating pizza in the dark
1: sacrilege
0: in a in a shelter in a tarmac kind of car park and we're watching people they've just finished a round of barn dancing I'm going to call it barn dance not Kaylee. Mm. um and um they're all having a great time some of them are dressed up in sort of Halloween things I don't really know why um, right. yeah there's like some people with Halloween costumes on um and
1: um, We just said it feels like it's one in the morning, but it's half past nine. Yeah. It's it's very dark and there's not a lot of lighting. And ever.
0: it's no, and it's been raining all day, so everyone is very very soggy. And but the rain stopped now, so everyone's kind of going, ha, this is incredible because the rain stopped. Mm. Someone's been slightly like elated. Um, yeah. And we just won the quiz. Woo. We just won the quiz. It that was special. Thanks to me.
8: It
1: was
0: thanks to Lewis. It was, My
1: answers wasn't, were all it wasn't, wrong.
0: Um, no. But um, there were more SSA members than you thought there were.
1: That's good. I'd rather be exactly. wrong in that front.
0: That is good, isn't it? Um, Two thousand something, rather well, than um, one no. thousand. But they did say we don't actually know. No. <laughs> How can they not know?
8: Because it's
1: always like I a couple. It's always a couple going. of like months or something behind. Oh. okay. Also, there's lots of people on this new thing that's like I can't remember what it's called. Um, it's called, like, it's not legacy. It's like, if you're if you're level three trained, but you're not currently working in a setting, and you want to stay on the map, you can get, like, a really cheap membership. So you stay on the system. If you then start a forest school or you get a job doing something. Dormant. Yeah, yeah. So I think there's a lot more people doing that. Mm. It was a COVID thing. People weren't working. It was like, okay, go just jack it in. Yeah, if
0: you're poor, stay on. Right, mm-hmm. got it. Yeah. Um, have you had a good day in the rain?
1: I had a good day in the rain? My head is so tired. <laughs> And I can't work out if it's to do with...
0: Hang on, sorry to interrupt you. I'm just going to put the pizza box in front of the wind to stop the noise. OK. <laughs> it's going to be a very professional windshield.
1: Sure. Till I eat the windshield. OK. Um. Yep.
0: Yeah, your head is full.
1: I can't work out if it's tired. because They didn't get much sleep last night. Or... So the workshops were split into thinking and doing and I picked two thinkings yeah so I had a very heavy sociocratic play mm. this morning then we listened to Tony Juniper talk
0: he was actually amazing I really you, you thought I fell asleep I fucking didn't okay. I was so really cold cal- you, you like pissed yourself uh, nudged me in the ribs mm-hmm. and I was like what like you falling asleep. I had bundled myself up into my scarf and my woolly hat and I was breathing very heavily into my scarf because I was enjoying the sensory feeling of the hot breath going all the way, you know, all over my face because I was so cold and wet. I was never asleep. I was fully committed to what he was saying. I wasn't expecting to be in any way interested in what he had to say. I'll be honest. By the end of it, I was like, yes, mate.
1: Why did it rouse you? Um,
0: I think because I have read a lot of stuff about climate stuff and, um, you know... um, Uh, biodiversity loss, but I've never heard somebody who actually knows shit talking in real life.
6: Right, okay. And so
0: there was a personal connection there for me in terms of like um, you know like if you read something and you're amazed by it but then for me I obviously can't remember it afterwards like I can't remember a number like I'll be like was it 40 or 400 yeah you know and and then a person actually speaking to you about it's like okay I can actually connect to it yeah Yeah, yeah yeah and I can really connect to this and um and it kind of, like, connected together Forest School and Climate Emergency for me. Mm-hmm. So we've done a podcast, have about, like, you know, is activism... A, does it have a place yeah. in Forest School? Yeah. And today, I mean, the whole theme of the conference is Climate of Hope and Sustainability and that shit. But, um, like, we've had a day of it, like, mm-hmm. the beginning of it, with, um... What's her yeah, name, Joe. J- yeah. So she's, like, a... Psychotherapist. Oh yeah, you. yeah. Um, and especially working with children and families, and now she's like an eco. Eco
1: anxiety. Yeah, environmental like, anxiety. Yeah, and she's like, like properly
0: qualified, kind of you know psychotherapist to do with eco stuff. Mm-hmm. And she was really passionate and very, and she just was like, I'm not part of the FSA. Um, I believe in what you do but I've been through your website and there's no mention of the climate emergency on there yeah. and so I'm begging you to like make it more explicit and make that link like clear to all the families children schools you work with and I was like Jesus you're really right and then I think so I think then the Tony Juniper thing like really compounded it in terms of like you know I think I've said before about um, it's all very well kind of us going oh but nature connection is like really good for people but then if you look at the research it's like quite anecdotal or it's like observation of one particular and you go Yeah, and then I think Tony made the link between why nature connection is a positive step in the right direction for the climate emergency rather that it was like a kind of thing of like well if you've been in nature then you care for it so then you won't fuck it up but Mm. it was more than that like the stuff that he had to say about um, kind of going back to a way of life that actually has been very ancient for humankind it's only quite recently in the last 200 years that we've been disconnected from nature was his argument wasn't it Mm -hmm. since industrialisation and stuff and that there are communities in the world now who are living in harmony with nature and respecting it and it wouldn't take, you could argue it wouldn't take much to get back to that in many ways for Western society and that we are, as forest school practitioners, a key part of that. And I thought that was like a really nice link that felt real and tangible for me. I was like, okay, yeah, that is why we're doing it. Rather than just like, it's really nice
5: to be connected to nature.
1: Yeah?
5: Yeah.
1: Yeah, there were some interesting bits I think. Um, He talked a lot about Uh, there was a bit towards the end where he was saying that like the what am I trying to it's like the intrinsic the isn't it lovely the like softly softly nature's valuable for its own sake for its beauty he was like that argument is still there but we've been banging that drum for 30 years you know 40 years um it's time to sort of change the song because that's clearly not getting through. And he was saying that he talks to, excuse me, he talks to like money people about money, and he talks to business people about business. In but always talking about the environment. But sort of in a so this afternoon I did a um, workshop with Lily about needs, yeah, and she made the link that um, to Marshall Rosenberg's yes. NVC stuff. Yes, and so she. Was were saying, well, That's you know-
0: non-violent communication business.
1: Meeting needs um, and saying that that it's that, but on a bigger scale, you know, going okay, that person's need is to, is financial.
6: Mm-hmm.
1: They're financially driven. Therefore I should only speak to them from a fight. You know, I should speak to them. I should speak to their financial, the way Lily said it was should speak to their need rather than from my own, which I quite like. as a like simple way of distilling lots of, lots of interactions down, particularly like in the woods, we go up, like, am I talking to you? Am I talking to your need right now? Or From mine, yeah. Um, and it's probably more of the latter than I would like, more often than I would like. Um, you know, it's very uh, it was interesting. So, I'm watching these people do this, Kaylee, and it looks like utter chaos. I think that's what's giving it the the one-in-the-morning vibe.
0: Yeah, and someone is dressed as a Christmas tree and another person is dressed as a unicorn. I don't want some way.
1: Because people have lost the plot. (laughs) This is what happens when you take people who work outdoors all the time, you put them inside, you basically make them do wet play all day.
6: Yeah.
1: uh, And then, you know, push out. So you did did some singing this afternoon. Tell me about the singing, because you told me about briefly.
0: Oh, so good. So it was with the Children's Forest who have um, like there's been quite a lot of links to it's like mycelium it's, it's a fungal network but theirs really does feel like that because they wrote a book which we've got and I meant to do like a podcast review type thing about it um, it's called The Children's Forest and it's just a lovely book uh, Book full of ideas. And it's seasonal, and it's got a bit of like Celtic wisdom in there, and bits and songs in there. But with the, you know, with the music. Yeah. And I haven't ever done anything with the music. And um, so they spoke this morning about their project about planting children's forests Mm
6: -hmm.
0: which is another thing they're doing but then this afternoon was tree songs so some of them are in the book and some of them are new and have been written since the book was published and so there's a guy called Jack who had written some of the songs and he was playing guitar and singing and Anna Richardson was singing and lady called Pippa was singing and um, for each tree song they kind of told us a bit of, of lore about the tree and the Celtic name and some interesting information about it and it was very like Deep and poetic. Like, without being too off the wall, it was really meaningful and wasn't wanky. It wasn't wanky, just really. Like earnest but in a good way. You know what you people you're like, you're so pure and earnest. I could never do that, but I really appreciate the fact that you can. Yeah. And I'm really enjoying spending time with you because you are just like talking about this tree with such reverence that I could never do in front of a group of, you know, twenty-five people yeah. which, in the rain in a tent.
6: Um
0: and the real sang and the sang in harmonies and it was just lovely and beautiful and really nice. So I'll try and like drop some of the bits of singing into this podcast so you can hear a bit yeah. of it. If the recordings were too terrible. Um, and it ended up with us like singing to an apple tree in the rain, and it's this like really beautiful big apple tree, and the apples had fallen on the ground and I ate one of the apples, it was delicious. And I'm still peeing down with rain, but I had a really good time, so that was lush. And um yeah, and then I worked up with John Cree and Marina Rob in the morning about like deeper conne- deeper nature connection and the kind of wheel of the year, and that was pretty that was pretty deep and ended us ended up with us Drinking nettle tea and breathing in the incense of cedar from somewhere in Sussex. Mm. Yeah, it was very nice.
1: You've had a very spiritual day, it sounds yes, like.
0: Very nature connection, very spiritual. Um,
1: Have you heard?
0: Yeah. So we... oh, I won the quiz. Will you want the quiz? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Have you heard? What? So I talked to you, Sarah Lawful about this earlier, but uh, the microphone wasn't on. No. So there is
0: yes. <laughs> The wind blew the pizza and the...
1: And the pizza blew the phone.
0: And the pizza blew the phone and the phone's on the floor. I think you might need to go a bit closer to the microphone because I'm worried that all they're hearing is... And back again! Don't see no!
1: About, um, the nature deficit doctor who is coming around.
0: I've seen a tree doctor with their coat, white coat.
1: Yeah, I think I guess that's
0: so. A, that's
1: them. Yeah. Yeah, and apparently they um, gave her a shot of nature connection up the bum this morning. Wow. In, in front, <laughs> in front of a group.
0: Amazing.
1: I uh... Yeah. What
0: this stuff like.
1: She said she didn't know because it was behind her.
11: Oh. So. Shove a bramble for us.
1: I I don't think so. <laughs> uh, but she said it was very th- soothing that we needed to find them and and talk to the tree doctor. Ooh. So um, hopefully they'll be there before we go in the morning.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. No, I haven't seen. I didn't see that person. Um. Yeah, I, didn't, I haven't done much like extracurricular items. It's been
1: very busy. It's
0: been very busy and very rainy. I feel like if it had been sunshiny, there would have been a lot of people going, hey, Buy this special item that I have crafted. Although I did buy some vintage tools and an enamel teapot, so I basically couldn't be happier. That's my dream, yeah. my dream world.
1: Hoarding, Virtu- virtuous hoarding.
0: Just bought there. I bought some. I bought some stuff and I bought some chocolate. So yeah, yeah. And I did a quiz. That's also part of joy for me. Doing a pub quiz.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Great. When you're eating pizza, that's your joy?
1: That's my joy. That is my joy, right? (laughs) You
0: saw somebody with the Domino's. You saw Rachel Summers with the Domino's box going, I've got some leftover pizza. If anyone wants to buy it, it's still warm. And you just went, your face was just like, I didn't realise you could get dominoes here. There are no never,
1: takeaways in Devon. I ever. never felt like such a bumpkin. I just went to drive and get it as well, because I, I pressed the wrong button on the app. Yeah. So I've been into the centre of Oxford on a Saturday night. Are not joking me? No, ma'am. I went in three clubs. I got off with four different people. <laughs> Fucking jokes out there. Oh my it's God. Ridiculous.
5: So, your was not blocked in
1: then? No, to... no, 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 no. <laughs> it was good. Yeah, it was. Uh, it, the centre of Oxford is literally five minutes from here.
6: Really?
8: Yeah, you
1: wouldn't know. It feels like we're in the middle of nowhere.
6: It
1: does. Five minutes. Uh, I'm going to stop talking and eat pizza now. Let's <laughs> stop. Now stop, little phone, stop.
2: If you like this podcast and want to support more episodes, you can donate through Patreon. Visit patreon.com forward slash children of the forest to show your support for the Forest School podcast. Find out about CPD courses at childrenoftheforest.com. Check out the podcast links for more details. Support the podcast today by becoming a Patreon member at childrenoftheforest.com. Check out the podcast links for more details.